righty. Well, welcome to our podcast about Carrie. Yay. Yay. <laughs> okay, so this was our Halloween read. And if you listen to the last podcast when we did Shining, um, I was super intrigued to do this book because I was just so overwhelmed by <laughs> the way that Stephen King handled um, the psychology of the characters from The Shining. And so I would mentioned last time that I'd never read Stephen King. Um, and, you know, so like I, I, I really liked it. <laughs> and so like I wanted to, to dive into another. And so, um, and so we kind of thought Carrie was the perfect Halloween read for the month. Um, yeah. And so just some little tidbits. It was released in 1974, the year I was born. Um, and, but it was actually set in 1979. Um, kind of interesting, um, that it, you know, would be set only five years later. Um, I'm not sure that that was so significant to the story other than the fact that it was like the turning of a decade maybe. Um, and so that kind of represented maybe Carrie turning. I don't know. Um, yeah. So, um, but just another little tidbit, Carrie was actually based on two different girls that King knew from childhood. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yeah. So one, one, one of them was actually sort of relentlessly picked on and another one had ep epilepsy and kind of this, she, she had like this fundamentalist wacko mom <laughs> that had like crucifixes and things like that in her house. And so, um, you know, obviously that's kind of where he got the inspiration for Margaret White. And um, he had also read a, a Life magazine article about a, about some young girls that had these telekinetic powers. And so all three of those things kind of created this perfect storm that is Carrie. I never knew anything really. I never watched the movie and I never read the book. I was just, I don't know. So I never really knew anything about other than she got blood poured on her, you know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so kind of, we're just going to kind of roll with the book first. Um, and so kind of in starting with the book, um, you know, obviously, you know, and I've said this before, you know, I love to approach this as a literature teacher just because I like to geek out on literature. And so, like, um, and so, like, there's lots of literature, literature, I just made up a word, things that I like to discuss. And so, like, point of view is one of those things that I really like to dig into. Um, this particular novel, it was, it was a mixture of third person, um, omniscient and first person. Um, and, and it was actually told, it was very interesting storytelling idea considering that it was the 70s. Um, you see this kind of storytelling a lot more these days in novels, but not so much back in the 70s, um, which is kind of what made it interesting, um, I would think. But basically, we find out right off the bat that something tragic has happened. Um, yeah, it begins with the news story where about stones falling from the sky on the White House. And then that kind of, when I say White House, I don't mean like, White House as in president. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. I'm talking about the, yeah, Carrie White, the Carrie White House. 
Um, and so then that bleeds into third person narrative. And that's kind of where we find out right off the bat that Carrie has, she's telekinetic. Like it literally tells us in the beginning of the story that she's telekinetic. Yeah. Um, and so then it kind of bleeds into the first person you, you see first person come through interviews of witness accounts. Um, and so that was kind of cool to consider again for the seventies. You just didn't really see that kind of stuff. You, you, you know, toggle between first and third person. Um, and so, you know, from there, you know, it kind of goes into the shower scene, which is virtually the same as the film. Um, except you find out very quick <laughs> that this movie feels super sexualized. Yeah. And I like yeah. what, yeah, and I like when Julie and I were watching it, I literally said, I'm pretty sure this movie was made for men. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Bush, Bush and Tits everywhere. Yeah. I was surprised. And I mean, and God forbid that De Palma had a chunky chick in that opening scene because literally that's the way Carrie is characterized in the book, right? Yeah. But <clears throat> I mean she isn't. No, she's not. I mean, and so, I mean, like the, the shower scene, like I said, I mean, it's pretty, you know, you when you look at the two and you compare the two, I mean, they're pretty, pretty close. And so I felt like they got that pretty right. Um, like, you know, it's like the guys running around in their locker room. You know how they do. Yeah. But it's, it's the girls. Exactly. Totally, and totally. so... Yeah. And so, like, you know that, like, some dude is watching this in a dark room somewhere. And I'm just like, gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, but that's really kind of, I mean, I guess that's just a, you know, obviously that's how they, you know, I mean, we've come such a long way, you know, with yeah. movies and, 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 and it's just interesting to look back at movies, you know, in, in a different decade and sort of be like, really? <laughs> you know, like, come on, dude. Um, but you know, character, you know, kind of what I was saying, you know, Carrie is, you know, she's characterized in the book as this chunky girl, um, which surprised me because Sissy Spacek is clearly not. Nope. Um, but it actually kind of made me relate to her a little bit more because <laughs> since I'm chunky or, you know, was my chunk is disappearing as I speak down <laughs> 75 pounds. Awesome. I know, right? Um, but so, but I don't know. I guess maybe in a weird way, it kind of made me feel like I could relate to her a little more. Yeah. Um, but it's I don't know. Like I just I just was surprised that I don't know. I guess I'm always surprised when author or when movie filmmakers choose to make such a dramatic change because I mean, I guess as as a girl that you know, was chunky myself growing up. I mean, like it, that, that is a hard thing, you know, like it is a hard thing to deal with. And so when you remove that from the film, that removes another layer of the bullying, I guess. Yeah. And that person's, um, you know, just how that person reacts to stuff. Right. Um, you know, and honestly, I was also surprised at Carrie's wickedness in the early stages of the story. I think I'd mentioned this when we were watching the movie that it was like, there were moments where King has her sort of giggling throughout. Um, yeah. 
And you really don't see that in the film. So like, for instance, after Carrie is thrown into the closet, when she returns home from school, from the shower scene, um, obviously she's very distraught. You know, she doesn't know what's happening to her. She doesn't know or understand that she is having a period. She doesn't know that that's what's happening. And so she comes home kind of angry at her mother because she's like, well, you didn't tell me this. How come you didn't tell me this? And so it says literally, um, well, it's my page 46. Um, by the way, the book that I'm reading is the mass paperback book. Um, but on page 46, it says she giggled a strange affrighted giggle in the solemn stillness of the living room. And so there's these moments where, you know, that he has her doing that. And I'm, you're, you're going to see a, hear about another moment in a minute. But, you know, just these little moments where, you know, it's just very eerie and very, you know, just eerie, you know, that she's yeah. doing that. And it's not, it's, it's not, you know, you can see sort of her teetering between these two spaces of being this wanting to be this normal girl versus like what she is via her powers yeah i wonder why he left that out maybe her little googling to me though sissy space that she she kind of has this little upturn of her mouth oh um, true true story yeah and maybe that's it i don't know but a giggle is far from an upturn of your mouth but i'm on the same page as you are about it right yeah, that's true. Because like, now that I think about it, because like, even when I've seen her in other films, like Coal Miner's uh -huh. Daughter, yeah. um, like she had that same little like smirk at times. Yeah. And so like, I, I can see what you're saying with that. Yeah. Um, I guess I just would have felt like it should have been a little more over the top, you know, to make like a giggle, like a true giggle. Yeah, to make it a little yeah. more creepy. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Whenever she gets thrown in the closet, okay, so after she comes home, um, she gets thrown in the closet um, because of just what happens. Oh, I'm getting some feedback. Um, and so her mom throws her in the closet. And so in the closet, you see the crucifix of Jesus. And so this is where she is forced to go to kneel and pray and ask Jesus to forgive her for having her period. <laughs> and so that's where we get into, you know, illusions. And so illusions are, are one of my favorite literary devices to observe. So for the record, just in case no one knows what an illusion is, basically an illusion is when an author sort of, you know, if you, if you see the word illusion, you can see the word allude in there. And so an illusion is when an author alludes to something in society or literature or something else in society or the world in their work. So Stephen King used lots of allusions in this book. And the, one of the biggest ones, obviously, is sort of this fundamental Christianity. Um, you know, this religion, this, you know, very thwarted... <laughs> type of religion um, that honestly just kind of makes me mad at times. I'm just going to be real. Um, 
you know, because I'm a Christian and, and I'm going to be real and it, maybe I've said this before. I don't know. Maybe I've said it in my articles, but, you know, sometimes I do struggle calling myself that simply because of just the way that I see some Christians behave today. Um, yeah. Like a Margaret White. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I see people She's behave like that, say what? She's an extremist. Yeah. A fundamentalist. And, and it literally yeah. says that in the book. I mean, he, he does make it a point to say that, that Margaret White is a fundamentalist and that she actually strays from the Baptist faith. I mean, it literally says that in the, in the novel. Um, and so for that, I appreciate it. And I don't necessarily consider myself a Baptist, but I, I just get irritated because I feel like that Hollywood in general just takes Christianity and that's what you see. They see you know, people, you know, doing these really horrific things in the name of Christianity. And there are people that do it. There's no question, mm-hmm. but that is not the norm. <laughs> like it is not the norm. And yes. And, and, and so it, you could consider it hyperbolic, you know, in the sense that it is hyperbole, you know, it has to be that, you know, that are there again, are there people like that? Of course there are, but that is not yeah. the norm. Um, yet many people in the public don't seem to know that. So you, you end up having this situation where pop culture influences culture, which is kind of scary. Yeah, you're right. And then you get people who just believe that when you say that you're a Christian, Margaret White comes to their mind. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's the thing that, that bothers me. So, but you know, religion and the thwarting of it, it's kind of the basis of the novel because really, I mean, you know, the bait it's because of Margaret White's behavior that she inflicted upon Carrie, you know, that's what bleeds into another illusion, which is the Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Cinderella, you know, there's obvious similarities, you know, between these two stories. Um, you know, Cinderella obviously doesn't go on a vengeful killing spree, but she does have an experienced trauma at the hand of her stepmom. Um, and, you know, she goes to a ball and there's a mishap and, you know, both women sort of leave their respected events distressed. But, you know, Carrie leaves armed with purpose. <laughs> um sure. You know, like, she's kind of done playing the victim. Yeah. But do you think, um, I mean, like, she gets so angry, like, this power just takes over? Or, I mean, not that she can't help it. I know she she does it. But. Well, I I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I think. I think so. Because, I mean, I think it literally talks about how you know, that she, um, you know, she, you know, basically getting her period and the bullying is kind of a trigger, mm-hmm. you know, like all of it is kind of a trigger for her and all like the novel is kind of building it up, building it up until this final crack of the blood on her head. Yeah. And so like, that's literally the final straw. And she is like, at that point, we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, like the whole, you know, bullying versus reaction thing. But I mean, at that moment when she gets that blood pouring on her, she's done playing the victim at that point. Exactly. And yeah. she and is blame her. exactly. I mean, it, and it's just, that's what, you know, like I said, we're going to talk about more that more in a minute, but you know, it just goes back to that whole thing of, you know, is it, is it the thing that's instigating it or, you know, are we focused on the reaction of the person? Um, 
and and like you know the the part like I cannot and I didn't have this in my notes to talk about but I but it just reminded me that I wanted to talk about it so like after she gets the blood poured on her I mean the way that he writes about it from her perspective for me it's on page 216 and 217 and like I literally put so great details equal mood I mean but it's just heartbreaking because it's right after she gets the blood poured on her and it says she could smell herself and it was the stink of blood the awful wet coppery smell. And so then it just goes on and on. And then it says they had finally given her the shower they wanted. Like it's just gut wrenching. They were still all be, Oh my God, this is my, Oh my gosh, this passage. Like I literally got chills. They were still all beautiful. And there was still enchantment and wonder that she had crossed a line. And now the fairy tale was green with corruption and evil. That is great. Like, I don't care who you are. That yeah. passage is great. Um, And it's just so, like, it makes you feel her on every single level. And, like, I, I just, like, I felt her pain. Um, I, well, I and, and, you know, go ahead. Like, um, bullying, you know, that just, today, that stuff, you know, just wouldn't be tolerated. Exactly. Know? But sometimes it still is because, you know, we have this, we have this different, you know, we have social media, which really can't be monitored a whole lot, you know? Yeah, it's a different kind of bullying. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, with the Cinderella thing, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily characterize Cinderella as a feminist, but a lot of people have characterized Carrie as that. Um, and so that kind of ends up becoming sort of another illusion, you know, or motif in the novel. Um, but I wouldn't say that that's the motif or, or illusion for the film. Um, we're going to get into that, but there's a lot of differences in the film that I feel like really take the feminist angle out of it. Okay. Um, you know, Carrie is done playing the victim and, and it kind of leads to the largest theme of the novel, which has to do with the bullying uh-huh. Um, it struck me because, you know, and I, we, we just talked about this, you know, about how society, you know, we, we so many times focus on the reaction rather than the instigation of where it came from. And obviously, you know, we should still be held accountable for our actions, but, but I just feel like, you know, people who instigate it just really aren't <laughs> oftentimes held accountable, um, yeah. at the same level. And it's just, you know... It's unfortunate. Um, And so speaking of people being held accountable for things and puppet mastering, we have to talk about one other illusion, which is Lady Macbeth. Um, She is literally one of my favorite characters in literature. Um, I love this character, probably because she's the polar opposite of me. (laughs) Um... But yeah, Lady Macbeth is the, I just think she's one of the most intriguing characters in all of literature. And you definitely see that illusion here, particularly after Carrie turns and she's sort of rubbing her hands incessantly. And, um, and so, you know, at the bottom of 225, my book, it says she was unaware that she was scrubbing her bloody hands against her dress like Lady Macbeth. So he literally says it. But yeah. there's but there's other times where he alludes to it rather than saying it, um, you know, which which I think adds more to the the fun of it. 
And it says, though, um, I, I found the page, um, yeah, that she was rubbing her hands like Lady Macbeth, or that she was weeping even as she laughed. Yes! That's creepy! I know, but in the movie... It's not that. It's nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, and so one of the things that that I really, you know, I've, I've said it before and I just said it earlier that I love the way that King really expands on these illusions that he drops throughout the story. Um, I, but I really thought, you know, I thought that, that Carrie, you know, honestly, in terms of The Shining, you know, we talked about how that you could definitely see the improvement in his writing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, honestly, because I, I really felt like there were moments in Carrie that he sort of told us rather than showed us, um, because he did so well of showing and the shining. Um, and so there was just so many details, but like in, in Carrie in the book, um, on page, my page 145, it says, we know that Carrie was the victim of her mother's religious mania. And so, like, it tells us that, and we know that. I mean, we can see how Carrie's mother treats her throughout the novel. But he goes on to say, like, all these little things, like, we suspect, we know that Carrie produced at least one of her abilities as a small girl. We know that a second extreme situation of guilt. Like, we know all these things, but you didn't show us these things. You just told us. Yeah. And so, to me, that's one of the fundamental differences of his writing, um you know, is that you kind of, you know, there are moments where he spends time just kind of telling rather than showing. Um, But nonetheless, some of my favorite literary moments of the book, aside from the illusions, um, was the awesome figurative language. So yeah, the figurative language, I like, I cannot stress enough how much King rocks figurative language <laughs> like he's just so yeah, good at he it does. He does. um so just in case people do not know what figurative language is um figurative language is going to be um all the the devices that you know like metaphors simile mood imagery um hyperbole personification like all of those things that that are not literal <laughs> um that's what figurative language is it's sort of a you know you are creating um you know when you create a metaphor you're creating another way of saying it without being literal um the tools the tools you use to get to there you know yeah 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 and so probably my favorite passage of this one of my well i can't say because there's a lot i have a lot of favorite passages but okay um my favorite passage i feel like i'm I'm calling it metaphoric imagery (laughs) Um, it's on page 171 in my book. Okay. Um, and this is basically, I'm trying to figure out. Okay. So this is, it's from, it's when it's from my name is Sue Snell, but it's, so as I had mentioned earlier, this book is told in different, um, formats. And so one of the ways that it's told is Sue, one of the girls from the book wrote a book about this incident. And so in her book excerpt, this is the passage. It says, oh no, it's not from the book. Oh, my bad. So basically the reason I thought it was is because it just bleeds to the next page. But do you, did your book have the three, does your book have the three dotted lines at the top? Yeah, it does. Okay. So that's why, you know, just FYI that it's not part of the book. 
That means it's part of the third person narrative. Yeah. Because that's what the three little lines mean. Okay. Yeah. All right. So here's the passage. Um, A few people were on the dance floor, not many yet. And in the soft revolving gloom, they were wraiths without substance. She did not really want to see them as her classmates. She wanted them to be beautiful strangers. I love that so much. I don't know why. Because, like, I just imagine her. What? What page is your phone? It's on 171. Okay, so I'm a little ahead. Okay. Um, But it's right after where it says, from my name is Sue Snell. Mm Mm-hmm. It's on the next page after that. Okay. Um, I just love that because you just, you know, it's when she's coming into the prom. Yeah. And... It's like for so long, like a wraith is is basically like a, a spirit that takes a spirit to hell. That's what a wraith is. Uh-huh. Um, and so like in soft revolving gloom, they were wraiths without substance. Yes. So like that's how she saw them. She did not really want to see them as her classmates. She wanted to see them as beautiful strangers. So she didn't want to see them as her classmates. She wanted to see them as like just sort of this image of of beautifulness yeah which is just so like it's heartbreaking and just gut-wrenching but an emotional at the same time like i don't know why it just really hit me okay but i was really hoping for a twisted look inside the mind of margaret white and and her sort of her past um Yeah, I mean, there wasn't really much other than the fact that we learn, we do learn that Carrie's inception was a product of her dad raping her mom. Yeah. Um, We do find that out. Um, And so obviously the, you know, part of her mother's fundamentalism um, is sort of born from, you know, this, this very obvious, like real confusion of the fact that her husband raped her. And she ends up having a child out of it. And so there's a lot of like, obviously mental psychological issues revolved around the feelings of that child being a product of rape. Right. And so basically Carrie just didn't have a chance in her life at all. Yeah. And her mom says, you know, basically that she should have killed her. Yeah. She totally says that. I feel like more than once. So, I mean, it's very clear and and that this girl, like her whole life, and we're not talking about just her classmates. We're not talking about being bullied by her classmates. We're talking about being bullied by her freaking mom. Oh, her mom is just terrible. And so, like, the girl never had a chance in life. Like, ever did this girl have a chance in life. The mom was widowed, you know. Yeah. So her dad died. You know, in the front of the book, it said that um, Mrs. White, a widow, lives with her three-year-old daughter. So she, the dad died before Carrie was three. Yeah. So I guess she never even knew, had that manly figure, fatherly figure. Right. Exactly. Okay. So, I mean, you know, you just have to know, like, obviously, like, I mean, this woman pretty much blamed her daughter her whole life. Um So, all right. Well, I felt like the film, you know, and that's why I honestly felt like the film should be considered more for the intricate differences rather than the similarities. Um, 
you know, because Carrie's portrayal, you know, in the book versus the movie, I mean, like that to me was a stark difference. We've already kind of talked about it, but <coughs> like when he, when she kind of starts her reign of terror in the book, yeah. Um, there's a first person account uh, given through an interview. I think his name's Tom Quinlan. And basically it's a dude that saw Carrie do all her stuff. And he basically says she was grinning. I never saw such a grin. And so again, that's like literally the third time that we're seeing this girl, like, you know, like grinning at what she's doing. Yeah. And you just don't see that in the movie. Like you do not see that at all. And in the movie, it doesn't go to the stream that the book does on what all destruction happened. No, not at all. You know, I mean, maybe if it would have elaborated more, maybe we would have seen that. I don't know. I doubt it. Exactly. And so, like, basically, and and I I guess maybe I can understand, I mean, because in the crux of the film, I mean, we're, like, you know, we're dealing with, you know, the bullying with inside the school. So maybe that's why De Palma didn't feel it necessary to, you know, expand, expand it outside of that. I don't know. Um, you know, because basically in the novel, I mean, or I'm sorry, in the film, she basically just takes the hose and hoses everybody down, walks outside and then makes Chris and Billy's car turn or turn over. And then she goes home. Yeah. And so, but in the book, like, she, like, yeah, like, she wreaks destruction on the town. Yeah. And and they're um, recovering for months, you know, and they're even uh, categorized as a, um, what do you call it? Disaster area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Are elaborate. For sure, for sure. Okay, so one of the other big differences is Chris's storyline, along with her relationship with Billy. Um, Chris um, is basically the girl who is the biggest bully, I guess you could say. Um, She is, and and really the, the biggest thing that I thought was, well, two biggest things that were different with her is that Um, you get a better sense in the book as to why Chris is the way that she is. Her daddy is a lawyer and basically is one of those helicopter dads that anytime she gets in trouble, he comes a knock in and basically does everything he can to get her out of trouble. Right. And so basically that's how she's grown up her whole life is she basically gets to do whatever she wants to do. And her daddy gets her out of trouble. Uh Um, well, Billy, <laughs> who is played by John Travolta in the film, um, he is not, you you get the sense that he is not quite as high class as Chris. Wow. Um, he is, you know, in a lower class, probably. Um, and you get the impression that that's exactly why that she's probably dating him. Um, that he's just the polar opposite of what daddy would probably want for her. And I feel like it even says in the book that one of the reasons that she really likes him is because of his car. Doesn't it? I believe so. (laughs) Because like it literally goes into a lot of details about the car. Yeah, it does. And so like, and about Billy's car. And so like, there's this whole like machoism. um, But it also, you know, things are very methodical in the book. You know, like it makes it very clear that Billy actually sets up the bucket of blood on his own. 
Um, and it actually makes it a very big deal about saying that he wanted to do it on his own. Exactly. Uh, and so like, that's why I was surprised. Like in the film, it was just very like, you know, they kind of took it as a moment of flirtation. They were like flirting and like doing the bucket together and like making it this relationshipy thing. And that that's not the way that the book characterizes it at all. Um, it's very much like she pulls the string, you know, in the book, but he, it's very clear that he sets it up alone and that it is 100% him doing it for her to set up alone. Yeah. And then let her pull the string. Yeah. So there's just underlying things that you see and that you get from literature. And that's why I just love, I mean, honestly, it's why I prefer it. Um, if I'm gonna, you know, spend my time between a book and a film, I'm going to choose the book because there's just so many other things you get from it. And speaking of that, books and films. Okay. When, when we did the shining, yeah. You know, I've seen the movie a hundred times. Yep. And but I'd never read the book. Mm-hmm. And so in that I prefer the ending in the movie. Yes. Versus the book. Right. And now I read this book, Carrie, before I watched the movie. Yeah. And I prefer the ending in the book versus the movie. It's uh, opposite. Okay. So, we're gonna talk about the ending. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the ending. Weird. That is weird. Like, whatever I get on first and see it, I guess I think, I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> what, I don't know. We need to do another one. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen King one? <laughs> yeah, sure. I have an idea. We'll talk after. Okay. Um, okay. So, you know, another thing, too, that I felt like was, was largely different, you know, was Carrie's relationship with her mom. Um, even though, I mean, obviously in the film, you, you, you get the idea that it's contentious. Obviously you get the idea that it's abusive. I mean, like all of those things come true and all of those things come clear, you know, in the film. But when you kind of dig in deeper, I mean, there are some differences, um, particularly like Carrie's, you know, when Carrie comes home after the shower scene, you know, when she's alone, her mom comes home and the text literally says she and Carrie had stared each other down the short length of the front hall for a moment, like there's a simile gunfighters before a shootout. And so like, that to me establishes a an idea that that Carrie is going to challenge her mother. Yeah. And so because that is what that yeah, like that's what that image creates. And so there's sort of a challenging and sort of a, you know, a duel uh, as it were. And the, you don't get that sense at all. Yeah. In the film, like there is not from from word 1 of that film to the end of the film do you get the idea that Carrie will ever stand up to her mother? Um, and what now? That she won't ever stand up to her mother. Like that ultimately she will not stand up to her mother. Right. And she does not do that in the film. She does in the book, but she doesn't do that in the film. Right. Um, okay. We're going to talk about the ending. Um, but before we talk about the ending, just, and we've already kind of talked about it, but obviously one of the biggest differences is that, you know, the movie was just very sexualized compared, you know, I think King sort of talks about how his novel, you know, was sort of this progressive idea of feminism, you know, with Carrie, you know, just being done with putting up with people's shit and, 
you know, like I'm just done and I'm going to stand up for myself and like, I get that. And I can see that. Yeah. But the way that De Palma filmed that film, like it just was so sexual and it just, it, to me, it took out the feminism. It took out the, you know, it just, it just made it less important in my mind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The only time that, um, in the, the sexualization, and like in the book, it does say like when she was in the, I don't know if she was in the shower. No, she wasn't in the shower. She said, uh, Carrie thought that something had come to her. She ran her hands over her breast, dirty pillows. <laughs> yeah, I love dirty pillows. Again, the skin was cool, but the nipples were hot. hard. I mean, that's really the only um, like sexualized stuff in the book. Yeah. You know, I mean, it talks about them being undressed, but not in a sexualized way. Right. Just that they're in the locker room. Yeah. So, like, the dirty pillow thing, it reminds me. I forgot to put this in my notes. I forgot to put it in my notes. But one of the illusions (laughs) from the film is actually Adam Sandler. Um, I don't know if you guys, uh, if anybody knows, you know, Adam Sandler used to do albums and different things. And so he used to do, he did this album called They're All Gonna Laugh at You. Um, I think it's back in the nineties. And so literally when you watch that movie, you can see exactly where he got, like, there's a part where Margaret White says, they're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. And like, <laughs> it's just like every time I, but and it's meant to be very creepy and scary because like, that's what Carrie is thinking in her head. Like whenever all this stuff goes down with the pig blood and stuff. And so that's what she's thinking in her head, but it just made me laugh because it reminded me of Adam Sandler. But it, it, it says it like 10 times. <laughs> I know. Like, they're all going to laugh at you. Um, it's, oh, one thing I forgot to mention too. Okay, so before I get to the ending, the pig blood sitch. So me and Julie were talking. And so I guess I had always assumed that when they decided to put pour the pig blood on Carrie, that it was because that she got her period. And that like they were basically ultimately trying to make fun of the fact that she got her period and didn't know. And so that's why they wanted to drop the blood on her. Um, But in the book, it actually says pig blood for a pig. Yeah. And so that's really the intention, at least based on the, the, the book, it seems to be more the intention in the minds of the characters is that they wanted to do it because they thought of her as a pig rather than it being about her period. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's talk about the ending. Okay. So in the book, um, you know, the, the, it ends so different in the book. Um, basically Carrie ends up going back home to confront her mother. She goes home to confront her mother, not go home and take a bath and be with her mom, (laughs) which is what happens in the, in the, not in the movie. Um, and so you know, like her mom obviously believes that she's been been possessed by Satan. Um, and so, you know, because she was, you know, we've talked about how the fact that, you know, she was a product of rape. And basically, Carrie ends up squeezing her mother's heart to death with her mind. Yes. And that is how she kills her mother. And Sue... Another weird thing in the film, Sue actually is at the dance, but in the book, she finds Carrie 
basically collapsed and bleeding from the knife wound that her mother had given her. Mm-hmm. And Carrie, in the, huh? In the street. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and Carrie, um, you know, oh, another thing too, which is, bleeds into this idea, but but Carrie or Sue ends up allowing Carrie to read her mind to see that her intention for sending her to the prom was not malicious. Right. And so but Carrie ends up forgiving her before she dies. And so there's this moment between Sue and Carrie. Um, and so like that happens sort of in their minds. Um, and that's another thing that happens in the book that does not happen in the film is that Carrie actually speaks to a lot of the kids in their minds, like towards the end of the book. Mm-hmm. And that is 100% not in the film. No. Um, and in fact, <laughs> basically in the film, Carrie goes home. She does kill her mother, but she kills her with knives. And yes. basically just ha- like has a bunch of knives come stab her. Uh-huh. The house starts to crumble down. She grabs her mother, takes her into the closet where she had been sent many, many, many times before. It's almost like her mom had that set up as a prayer closet. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I know it's a closet. And, like, she put her in there to punish her, but it, it was set up like a prayer closet. Yeah. But she would send her, put her in, put her in there to lock, yeah. she would lock her in there. And yeah, she would, to pray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, in there. But did you notice? Okay, when Carrie threw the knife through her with her mind to her mother, and then you see Jesus up on that that one she had had a lot of knives in. He had his hands to the stake, and he had knives in him. Yeah. And it was almost the same way. Oh yeah. With her mother, the knives. Yeah. Thrown at her to. Jesus That's a good point. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That is crazy. That's creepy. That is creepy. <laughs> and like and then, I, I pulls her in there. Yeah, and then like she the Yeah, and then she pulls her in the closet, pulls her mom in the closet and the house basically collapses. Collapses on them both and they die. Yeah. <laughs> I I did not like that at all. And the reason I didn't like it is because like, and honestly, like I had read somewhere that King said that he enjoyed De Palma's ending to his, but then I, but then I also had read that he, you know, that he considered Carrie to be a take on feminism. And I'm just like, well, how can it be take on feminism if she chooses to go home and die with her mom? (laughs) Like that makes zero sense. So I didn't agree with that. I didn't like it. I, I think that completely disrupts the character. I, I I don't think, you know, it doesn't give the character any sort of justice. I, I like, I just, and I'm not saying like Carrie did right. Let's be clear. I mean, <laughs> Carrie did not do some good things. Yeah. And, but at the same time, like, again, can you blame her? Can we blame yeah. somebody that has been put in a situation like that? And... I just, I don't know. Like, I just don't know. I don't think you can blame somebody that's been in a situation like that. Well, and, I mean, she had a power. It's not like she went. True story. You know, and I think that took over to some degree versus, you know, her just going and. Yeah. Other person. And so, yeah. And so, again, we're talking about a trigger, you know, which is interesting because, like, you know, we talked about that with The Shining as well. 
you know, that really that book is not even about a hotel, you know, it's more about these people and the hotel kind of serves as this catalyst that causes, you know, that creates the problem. Yeah. And so maybe the hotel come alive in them, you know? Yeah. 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 And so maybe the same could be said for Carrie, you know, in a different way, you know, that Carrie, you know, that it's this bullying. Bullying is the thing that created this trigger in her Mm -hmm. um, where she was just done. (laughs) She was done being screwed with. Yeah. And. I mean, gosh, can you imagine I'm so glad when we went to school. I mean, we didn't have cell phones and social media and stuff. Oh, for real. Oh, gosh. It would have been terrible. Seriously. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, well, I feel like that kind of brings us to the end. Um, I, you know, like, I enjoyed the book. Um, like I said, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the shining more because I felt like it, you know, gave us a lot more details. Um, I, I was interested in, and I really wanted to see how he handled the psychology of these two characters, um, Margaret White and Carrie White. And he didn't handle them the way that I thought he would, um, which is okay. <laughs> like, yeah. um, but again, I think it goes back to the fact that, you know, I, I just wonder if he, if he would have. If he wrote this book again, now, would he have written it the same? Probably not. So that's what I'd be interested in knowing. Stephen King, if you're listening. We need to go watch the the newer carries and see what's different about those. Yeah. And apparently I saw that there was a series at some point, too. Yeah. So we also need to, we still haven't watched Dr. Sleep either. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. Well, from Genuinely Lit, this is going to wrap it up for Carrie and our Halloween extravaganza episode. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And we don't know what we're reading next, but we will let y'all know soon. Bye. It's going to be in December. Oh yeah, December. So probably a Christmas read. Adios. Maybe. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Oh, 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 o